0: Why are you here at Leadership Academy?
1: I came to Leadership Academy because I think it's really important to continue to improve my practice as a leader. I love Dr. Porter.
2: Like he's one of the most inspirational speakers.
1: I'm here to support my local LEAs and to learn from the amazing speakers.
2: So I'm just here to learn as much as I can to be able to provide support for our students.
0: Welcome to episode six of the Bright Spots podcast recorded live at the annual El Dorado Charter SELPA Leadership Academy in Sacramento, California. First, I had the opportunity to interview a panel of leaders from across the state on new initiatives at their school, their improvement plans for the new school year, and key takeaways from the conference. Next, I was able to sit down with conference presenter Jasmine Vance from System Improvement Leads, a CDE and CCEE collaborative project between EDCO, WSGV, and the RC SELPUS, and discuss the science of school improvement and prioritizing change efforts for maximum impact. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. First of all, thank you all so much for joining me today. How about we start by having our panelists share their titles and a little bit about their schools, and we'll start with you, Kixie.
1: Yeah, hi, I'm Kixie Dominguez. I'm the Special Education Coordinator at Howard Gardner Community School. We're located in SoCal, so Chula Vista, close to Mexico. We are grades TK to 8th grade, and we embody Howard Gardner's multiple intelligences.
3: Hello, I am Lee Ya. I'm the superintendent at Urban Charter Schools Collective. We manage Yabishua Academy. It's a school that was started up by the Hmong uh, community uh, here in Sacramento for the reason of their children not Um, making the grades in the district schools. And so it started about 10 years ago in 2010, or a little over 10 years ago in 2010, with the focus to uh, improve the academic achievement using the body-brain approach uh, to teach them and help them feel comfortable in school, freeing the brain to absorb the uh, information that are given to them.
4: Hi, I'm Summer Thomas, and I'm the Special Education Support Facilitator for Olive Grove School District. And we cover TK through 12. We are located in the Central Coast, so we service Santa Barbara County as well as San Luis Obispo County. And we're an independent charter.
0: All right. my first question is for Summer, but any of our panelists are welcome to jump in as we go. One of our main topics this week at Leadership Academy is improvement science and making sustainable change in the school community. Summer, can you share a little bit about a major improvement initiative you've gone through over the past year with all of Grove Charter?
4: Absolutely, so we are implementing our LEAP program, which is L-E-A-P. It is revamping our current academic probation policy, and it represents a focus on learning, engagement, attendance, and parent involvement. These are our target areas, so we can better support our students and our families.
0: My next question is for Kixie. What would you say has been the most important leadership quality you've developed over the course of your career, and why?
1: Honestly, being empathetic. You know, that's something that we teach a lot of our students, but that really applies to our staff. Um, growing up, I worked in education. Really dating back to when I was an elementary student you know I was the peer buddy and then as I moved on to college I was an ABA therapist to a one-on-one to a paraprofessional and I worked my way up to where I am now and I feel like I understand what it's like to not be given your lunch break um, or not being honored with your schedules and so I really make sure that my staff is taken care of when um putting together their schedules and also just understanding, you know, we carry emotional baggage to work as well that we can't immediately unpack. And with that, I just want them to know, you know, I am there for them. There are resources for them as well. Um, granted, you know, we are adults in this situation, but it doesn't mean that we don't have feelings that aren't valid. So definitely that's something I take with me into my school site. With that, you know, I also have to establish boundaries with my staff. It's like, yes, I'm here for you, but at the same time, I'm still going to hold you accountable for a lot of what you do. Uh, But when you gain that relationship and rapport with your staff and your team, you're able to have those uncomfortable conversations or challenging questions um, to really help the team continue to grow.
0: I think it's really interesting through the COVID-19 pandemic, um, there's been social empathy for students, right? And that was a huge focus in the media and in conversations and legislation. But I do feel like at times our teachers, uh, these our public servants, our paraeducators, they might not have been extended the same empathy and there might not have been as much understanding uh, that they were going through a pandemic as well. So really, I think empathy is really important, especially in special education uh, for students and for staff and teachers. Great.
3: You know, similarly to uh, Kixi, um, growing as a leader and becoming a coach and coaching the employees or the leaders of the school to maximize themselves. Uh, to come up with solutions uh, on their own for the problems that they encounter in school to increase uh, increase academic achievement and to grow the teachers, uh, and which is aligned to uh, the leadership training, uh, improvement science that we're learning here this week. Um, it's really awesome because uh, they're able to look at the change ideas that they can incorporate into the existing system to improve, continually improve the way that they support teachers and students. Um, Growing as a coach, uh, uh, I would say it's something that we we probably are, but we don't think a lot about as leaders, right? It's the most exciting thing that happened to me as a leader to help build the school and support the teams there.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we teach a lot about emotional identification. Can we identify how we feel? How are we reacting when we have those emotions? Um, And so with our staff, you know, if there is a challenging behavior, notice what's happening with your body. Are you tense? Are you hot? There's so many different factors that you can identify yourself. And I teach our staff, you know, you can ask for a switch out. If you need to be switched out, we have moving pieces in our team, in our system, at our school site where we can switch you out. We understand that you wanna be helpful and you wanna persevere, but certain times, we need to
4: make sure we can move forward in a way that's effective.
0: Uh, Summer, can you share about a leader who has inspired you throughout your career?
4: Absolutely, Jean Hatch with the GPA, she's no longer with them, she retired, but she was incredibly instrumental in supporting me with my role at Olive Grove. She has a wealth of knowledge and a wonderful teacher. Um, I remember the first time I met her, she gave me a two-page list, and she's like, I need you to complete all of these things. And I said, absolutely. And she goes, and when you're done with that, I'm going to give you another list of more things to complete. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really helpful in going through that journey, and I would not have been able to do that without her support
0: so important to have support, especially early on in our careers as teachers and leaders uh, from people who have that empathy right and, and are coaching us instead of instructing us or telling us. So, so important.
3: Another major
0: topic at the conference is team collaboration and leadership. With such a high amount of teacher turnover in the field of special education, it's likely many of our listeners will be starting the new school year with new faces in the room like people on campus they are going to be different. Uh, Lee, can you speak to some practical strategies you've implemented internally to promote relationship building and chemistry development?
3: Sure. For me, with new faces, new people, you have to uh, be able to give them as much time as possible to ensure that they are comfortable in their positions and uh, uh, as a new person to the team and give them whatever uh, they need to do the job and be as available as you can to allow them to ask you questions whenever they need answers to those questions that they can do the job and feel comfortable and feel supported and make yourself available to them. Uh, uh, What I do is I I check in with them, uh, usually uh, at the end of every week and also I give them a one-to-one time. Uh, If they're ministers, I meet with them uh, 30 minutes a day just to check in and and, uh, uh, Figure out uh, what the needs are. Uh, answer all the questions so that they're, they're not stalling, waiting for, for, uh, for me for uh, say for, for a week before they can get a response from me. So just be really available to them and uh, check in constantly. Over communicate uh, all the time, but allow them to be autonomous uh, in the decision making and in their ideas and encourage them to make mistakes. Uh, that uh, For me, I, I believe that uh, people, when they don't make mistakes, they don't grow. The reason why they make mistakes is because it's something new to them, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, encourage them to make mistakes and, and just support them, again, whatever they need uh, to do the job right. Make them feel as comfortable as they can. Be, just be available to- I
0: remember when I first started as an administrator, I really knew almost nothing, right? I was fresh out of the classroom and uh, my supervisor really did a good job of protecting me from my mistakes, right? Because I was making lots of mistakes and (laughs) and, and I remember always going home from work after a bad day or I did something wrong, I went the wrong direction in a case or with a parent and I always remember feeling that my supervisor would have my back and stand there beside me and Mm -hmm. teach me instead of scold me or discipline me in in that kind of a way. So that was really important. It seems like that's what you're doing in your school community as well. Yes. Thank you. So one of my bright spots over the past uh, week here is getting to know the three of you and being able to do this episode with you all. Uh, Our final question is for the whole panel. What is one thing that made you smile over the past few weeks?
4: I can start with that. Uh, I just found out that one of our students was accepted to UC Berkeley, so that was really exciting for us because we work with a lot of At-Promise youth. So that was a huge win for us.
3: For me, was the team coming together and decide on the path that we're going to take this school year, so that we already know what the year is going to look like and the support that we're going to be putting in place and. Uh, all the meetings that we will be having to listen to the staff and, and help support them with the, their work. And so uh, everybody's on board with that, everybody's ready and anxious to roll out the plan to the staff so that we can give this plan a try, a try. and through this process, then we'll continue to gather data and then utilize this uh, improvement science to uh, make changes uh, through uh, what we call change ideas uh, to continually improve this process, so that everybody's on the same page, everybody's supporting one another, but we're building leaders, uh, and not um, telling them what to do, but encourage them to come up with ideas, so that we are all our leaders in in this cause to improve the uh, underserved students that we are serving them.
1: If I can share too. Oh, please do. <laughs> all right. So I mean, going to this conference was really a bright spot because it helped me realize I'm not alone in a lot of the things that I'm going through in this new position at my school site. So it's really nice to lean in on others' opinions and advice and resources and gaining all of the information um, here at this conference. I'm really thankful for that. And then on a more personal note, uh, while we're here in Sacramento, I went to a hip-hop dance class last night. And, you know, doing this podcast is getting out of my comfort zone. I went to a studio that's out of my comfort zone when I don't know anybody to the point where I even volunteered to be the select group to perform. So just on the topic of growing out of my comfort zone, I believe that's a really big, bright spot for me to celebrate.
0: Well, once again, it's been such a pleasure to meet with all of you, get to know you a little bit better. And thanks for joining the show. Have a wonderful day. Thank you you so much. Thank Thank you. I'm here with Jasmine Vance from the System Improvement Leads. Jasmine's been presenting this week for both of our Leadership Academy cohorts, and many of our participants have been sending positive feedback in already on what she's shared so far. Thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me, Jasmine.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Maybe you can start by sharing a little bit more about yourself and your organization.
2: Yeah, sounds good. So as Jeremiah said, I'm Jasmine Vance, and my role is an improvement facilitator with the Systems Improvement Lead Grant. Uh, SIL, as we're affectionately known as, is a statewide grant that supports um, SELPAs and LEAs bringing evidence-based practices and high leverage practices, continuous improvement, and data use and governance uh, to the field. And so our team really focuses and hones in on that continuous improvement angle. And so that's a lot of what I focused on this week during Leadership Academy with participants.
0: Speaking of your presentation, can you give us a little sneak peek into what you've been sharing with our our attendees this week?
2: Sure, yeah. So I first started off uh, chatting with our in-depth cohort and talked about, you know, when you're trying to make improvements within your system, it's important first to get uh, a holistic lens of what's happening in your system. And usually that, that happens by taking a step back Gaining perspective of multiple folks within the system, we can't do it on our own, like just by the very natures of it, we'll never be able to see the entire system by ourselves. So we have to leverage the others that we work with and trust on their input, uh, that they can help us get to the crux of what's actually occurring. And so thinking about our mental models, how are people coming and what mindsets are they bringing to the table? We talked about what are some of our policies and procedures that we may need to consider if there are problems that are perpetually coming up and even some of the patterns or behaviors that we see in uh, folks that are on our teams. And so, uh, yeah, I think that that really went over well and we. Utilize the compassionate systems framework, the iceberg, um, to really support us in our learning for that presentation. And then in the other presentation, my colleague Matt McHugh joined me, and we shared some information with uh, both first and second year attendees in regards to, you know, past the problem solving, where do you go from there when you're trying to get to the root cause of why issues are occurring? And so we introduced a really nice dashboard that we have uh, that actually is public access on our website, and uh, shared some information where teams can get some more regular data by uploading CalPads reports and help them get a clearer insight into their system on a more regular basis. I mean, our annual performance reports are great; they come out every single year. But in between time, we want to be able to gauge how are we doing, and so. That drill down center was developed as an access point for participants, for people, excuse me, within the state of California to just see how are their schools doing in uh, several different areas. Yeah.
0: And can you maybe highlight some of the different areas? I know that disproportionality is one of those things we've talked about on the show before. Yeah. I know that like performance gaps uh, in certain racial demographics and in certain uh, areas of the state is yeah. something that's being tracked. What else is is kind of some of those data points you, that you would have schools looking at? When they're looking to make change,
2: yeah. I disproportionality is really a huge one because I think it's there's so many different pieces of our system we have to take a step back and look at. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reports in there though is a disproportionality report, and the nice thing about it like gives heat index maps where you're looking at the information disaggregated by you know ethnicity, by uh, disability, by school. There's just a myriad of ways you can see the data. Some of the other reports that are in there are, I believe, parental involvement, timely eligibility. I know that's another hot spot that's really popular in the state right now. Um, and so, yeah, we have a seven different, seven different um, indicator focus areas, but there are several reports that will come out for that indicator so you can disaggregate the data in a myriad of ways. That's
0: excellent. It's almost like taking the information that's already available, but using a data-based and process-based um, Frameworks so that you can really uh, hammer down on what your school or your individual organization is struggling with. And then I think that that's such an important part with educational reform, because I'm sure of our listeners there's are teachers, mm-hmm. they've seen all of these changes in education. Mm-hmm. But when it's not database and it's not really connected to root causes, we're just solving surface issues. We're, we're dealing with the effects of a deeper problem, so what you're doing at SIL is helping um, groups of, of educators and professionals um, use information more accurately and efficiently uh, to try and really solve those root problems.
2: Yeah, I think that that's, that is exactly what we're trying to do. First and foremost, we want to make it easy to access. You know, data and education, we have a lot of it, and it actually can be really overwhelming when you start to think about it. So we really intended to create a platform that made the the data easily consumable for participants or whomever's using it. And then to be able to take a step back, kind of look at our historical trends over time, Um, is one aspect of our data tools. And then, you know, again, the drill down center is now that we've kind of taken a look at historically, how are we performing in all of these areas, whether it's in our performance for CASP testing, if it's in our area for parental involvement, or even in our preschool indicators, then we can move forward and drill down a little bit further and start to disaggregate that data in different ways. And I think by doing that, it really helps us prioritize how we're putting our efforts in into play, right? Because we've acknowledged there's a lot of problems in education, but we're not gonna be able to solve all of them at one time. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the most important things is to really prioritize your efforts so that when you start introducing some change ideas, once you've understood your your problem as sufficiently as you can, and you start introduce some changes to your system that maybe those changes will actually lead you to improvement because you've really focused your efforts in one area.
0: Well, thank you so much. Uh, how can our listeners, if they uh, want to learn more about your organization or maybe access some of these tools to look critically at or or uh, curiously at their, their systems, you know, data, how would they go about uh, getting in touch with the organization and using yeah. these resources? resources?
2: So they can reach out to us on our website. It's systemimprovement.org. Again, that's systemimprovement.org. We have tons of resources, protocols, if you're ever trying to figure out how to have a data conversation, which is not always easy to do. Mm-hmm. We have protocols to support with that, as well as other training videos that may aid you in the work that you do. And we'd love if you reach out to us. We're always here to help.
0: I feel like I've been through the resources myself and some of the some of SIL cohorts, and yeah. I've really enjoyed it. And I think that it's really important for our listeners to understand that teachers, Parents, administrators uh, can all benefit from some of these resources mm-hmm. and just thinking critically about data. Yeah. I think that's the cool thing about what you have is you have a mentality that is based in science and research on how to look at information and that's what everyone needs parents need that students need that teachers need that so it's not just a a bunch of information about state indicators for admins this is really something that's super important for all of our listeners so thank you so much for sharing and uh we'll be able to have your your links to your organization in the show notes
2: sounds good thanks for having me
0: all right have a wonderful presentation uh, as you're continuing here throughout the week and thanks again We hope you enjoyed our special episode on site at the Charter Salpa Special Education Leadership Academy. Special thanks to our panelists and Jasmine Vance from System Improvement Leads. Don't forget to check out our show notes for more information about our guests and all referenced resources. You can visit our website at charterselfa.org to access additional special education resources as well. You can subscribe to the Bright Spots podcast on the iPhone podcast app and Spotify. And please leave a five-star rating and review if you liked our episode today. The Bright Spots crew, Charter and the whole El Dorado County Office of Education team, thank you for listening.